You're listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, and I'm your host, Deirdre Morrison. I'll be sharing some bite-sized brain science, thought-provoking questions, and mind-bending ideas about how our brains work, change, learn, and adapt, and how we can use the knowledge emerging from the field of neuroscience to open up new possibilities and make the progress we want in all areas of our lives. Hey everyone, and welcome to today's show. Today, I'm gonna look at something that sounds as though it might be a little bit in the woo-woo end of the spectrum. And I'm gonna ask questions about whether that perception is warranted or if there's actually more to this than a load of old fooey. What I'm talking about, of course, is affirmations and mantras. And we hear a lot about them these days. So what are they? Do they work? Are they for normal people? Or do you have to join a cult to use them? And is there any backing from neuroscience for them? So let's take it from the top. Affirmations are positive statements that are repeated to help bed in new beliefs and generate positive, productive forms of personal energy. So they might include desired outcomes such as my business is successful and growing, or it might be something more personally reassuring like I am loved or I am strong and smart and capable. A mantra is a concept from Eastern philosophies like Hinduism and Buddhism and can be a sound or a word that aids concentration and focus, particularly in meditation. Mantra can also be used to mean a phrase or saying that is repeated in much the same way as an affirmation. Now, both affirmations and mantras are associated with positive thinking and the field of self-development. But of course, there's no light without shadow and every day has its night. So of course, as well as being a tool to create positive momentum, mantras and affirmations can equally be used to negative effect. But of course, that does tend to be less deliberate. We will come back to that. But for now, let's focus on the positives. So who uses affirmations and why would they do that? Well, Anyone of any age, background, profession or creed can use affirmations. They're not limited to any belief system or any culture or state of mind. In fact, we weave them into our conversation and culture as much as we use them deliberately. It'll be fine, we might say. Everything always turns out for the best. Life is beautiful. There's always light at the end of the tunnel. Every cloud has a silver lining. You know, it'll be fun to try keeping track of all those encouraging phrases that you hear in your everyday interactions and notice just how often they come up. And then you'll get an idea how prevalent affirmations really are. In the field of personal development, however, affirmations are used much more proactively than in everyday conversations. They're used very purposefully to create new habitual thinking. Now, back in episode four, we looked at habitual thinking in the form of beliefs and inner voices. And as you might have experienced, these voices, which are far more often negative in tone than positive, can be pretty hard to get rid of. And affirmations can be used in an effort to offset them and lay down new patterns of thinking. But like any other new thinking or learning, sometimes using affirmations can feel clunky or false to start with because we're saying things that we don't yet believe about ourselves. For example, I am successful or I am worthy or I am wealthy there can be a strong disconnect between our words and our beliefs. And there is evidence to suggest that for those with low self-esteem, this, this can actually further undermine it. And that's because it's highlighting the conflict between the desired positive state and the perceived current state. The irony here, of course, is that the affirmations appear to be less helpful for those people who seem to need their positive effects most. 
So that's certainly something to be mindful of when using affirmations, whether on yourself or suggesting them to others. There is a link in the show notes to some research on this topic. But for our purposes here today, let's assume that your self-esteem is somewhere in the ballpark of average. Even still, you will probably find that using affirmations for the first time can feel a bit weird. The tense you use in your, in your affirmations also makes a difference. So an affirmation that projects into the future may be an easier jump off point for some. An example might be, by the 31st of December, I will have successfully launched my business or I will achieve financial independence by my 50th birthday. But this, of course, begs the question, is there value in the discomfort of the disconnect? And this is a great question that can take us down a real rabbit hole of self-discovery. Once we start asking why certain affirmations feel uncomfortable, we can start really digging into the beliefs that prevent us from seeing them as true. Now, we've come up against beliefs previously on this podcast, and the sneaky little buggers can be very hard to identify because we often accept them as concrete facts. But they are worth investigating because it can be a little like finding a key to a rusty old door that lets us discover magic. And it's a little bit of a chicken and egg situation too. Which should we do first? Start using the affirmations or start looking at the underlying beliefs that might be making them uncomfortable? I'd say that's a personal choice and just go with whatever's going to work for you in that instance. It will take some trial and error, I think, though. Now, if we don't believe the affirmation or don't have the openness to potentially believing it, then are we wrong or is it that we're using the wrong affirmation? Again, this is a really interesting point. For instance, I might have grown up in a family that valued political power, for example. And somewhere in my belief system, my worldview, I might have some information that tells me that I can be president and that I have every bit as much right to be president as anyone else. And I might even have some other family members who've invested a lot of their lives in political careers and who would like me to join them in that platform. So with some encouragement from my environment and my upbringing, I might find myself using affirmations like I will be president or I will be the first curly haired Irish president (laughs) or something like that. However, despite the amount of conditioning and encouragement that I receive from those around me, What I might truly want is not, in fact, to be president, but to be an opera singer. So while my logical, rational brain might be trying to use this affirmation that I can and will be president, other parts of my mind are diverting my attention to the opera. And while I should be thinking about campaigns and fundraising and policy, instead, I'm practicing my arias and following the great opera houses of the world on Instagram. And as we know, where the attention goes, the energy flows. So my plans to be president may not get off the ground because my energy isn't fully focused there. And my unconscious mind knows that being president really isn't what would make me happy. So it's a little like being careful what we wish for. Knowing what we really want and how much we want it, or whether it's influenced by our desire to please or impress others, and if it's a wish that is based on hope or fear. All of these things can help us identify whether or not we're likely to succeed with our affirmation. Napoleon Hill used the word emotionalization in his description of how to use affirmations and statements of intent to achieve our goals. What I believe he meant is that we must want that which we choose as our affirmation. And that might seem like a truism, but even in something as apparently straightforward as I want to be successful, we can start to look at what it is that might prevent us from following through on that. Core emotions, such as feeling a need to belong, for example, might be in play, and that might prevent us from really buying into our affirmation because we believe on some level that if we achieve success, 
It will distance us from the people that we feel we belong with. And if we bear in mind the brain's key function and mission to keep us safe, then we can start to appreciate the logic of needing to belong. Being part of a group or community is a basic survival strategy. And no matter how clever and modern and involved we think we are, it's pretty difficult to simply override that piece of coding in our brains. So if we really want to be able to benefit from an affirmation such as my success is inevitable, then we need first and foremost to be sure that we do, in fact, want success. We might find that our beliefs are unfounded, for instance, and that in reality, the people who are important to us, the ones that we want to find that belonging with, are in fact completely rooting for us. Or we might, on the other hand, find that there is indeed a risk of rejection if we achieve the success we desire. And in this instance, we need to work out for ourselves which value has priority for us. Do we value our success more or our sense of belonging to that particular group, assuming that these are mutually exclusive? Another way of thinking about this is to imagine in great detail how your life will be and feel when this affirmation is your reality. This is really well illustrated in the phenomenon which allowed basketball players to improve their game significantly by imagining their training. In fact, it was so successful that the difference between the players who trained physically and those who only trained mentally was much smaller than you might imagine it would be. The phrase mind over matter is not just a cliche. Now, there's a chance that I'm making this use of affirmation sound a lot more complex than you might find it in practice. But what I'm trying to get at is there is no use in trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. And the same is true for affirmations. If you don't want the outcome of the affirmation becoming reality, then your brain will probably reject it. And that may lead you to believe that affirmations are pointless or they don't work on you or they're just more hippie rubbish. It pays to choose wisely. And the longest road out is the shortest road home, as they say where I come from. And by getting to know ourselves a little better before deciding what affirmations to use, then we're more likely to get better results from them. Of course, you can pick an affirmation or set of affirmations and refine them as you go. These are things that you can update as you evolve. So from this perspective, it's more about getting the right entry point for, for your affirmations and then being very aware of where they need to be tweaked and adjusted as your mind adapts to them. When I started one particular leg of my business journey, for example, I found a selection of business affirmations online. There were more than 50 on the list. I remember feeling that they were very unnatural and wondering if they could ever be true of me. Only about 10% of them felt comfortable at the time. However, in working with them and consistently investigating my desires and motivation, I found that as time passed, more and more of them felt comfortable to repeat. And more importantly, more and more of them felt true. Within about a year, more than 90% felt like they were true of me. This is another aspect of using affirmations. They are a form of learning. We are using our brain's neuroplasticity to learn a new way of thinking about ourselves, our potential and our desired outcomes. Practice makes progress, as they say. And they also say that action brings clarity, which in turn brings more action and so on. It's like when you first try a new exercise or routine or even a new language. It can feel all wrong or counterintuitive. But bear in mind that the more we do something, the easier it becomes and the more it becomes part of us for better or worse. Our neuroplasticity creates new pathways in our brain and they become stronger with every repetition. So, of course, it's not just the repetition or the alignment with our underlying desires that are important. Napoleon Hill wrote that truly thoughts are things. 
And when we repeat these thoughts, they become our beliefs, which in turn form our reality. So for anyone who is consistently repeating negative beliefs to themselves, like I'm no good at this, or I'm not smart enough, or I'll never make it, these are every bit as powerful and possibly more powerful due to our mind's tendency to negativity than positive affirmations. So identifying these negative beliefs can help us to identify where we need to support our thinking to create more helpful beliefs. We can purposefully choose affirmations that address these areas. For instance, someone who has beliefs that relate to their early education may feel that they are not smart enough to succeed. They might want to choose an affirmation, something like, my brain is more powerful than a supercomputer and has infinite potential for learning and success when I give it the support it needs. So to summarize what we've been talking about today, if you want to choose or use affirmations, there are a few things to remember. Number one, if your self-esteem is low, it is worth addressing that first and getting any support you need to do so. Number two, know what you want and why you want it. Number three, identify any conflicting beliefs that may contradict your chosen affirmation. Number four, remember that these things are a skill and take time to learn and to help you improve. And number five, don't forget that your affirmations work best when you have emotionally bought into them. And this can be helped through use of visualization and imagining how you will feel when your affirmation is reality. And finally, before calling it a day for this episode, affirmations really tie into so many aspects of how we can encourage our brains to engage with the world in helpful ways. What we choose to say to ourselves is important as well as how we choose to say it. Give yourself some time to get used to the sound of your affirmations if they represent a big jump from where you are to where you want to be. Learning can take time, making change takes time, and it may require many repetitions, but it does happen. And that's all that I want to say today about affirmations and mantras. And I would love to hear from you if you have tried some affirmations and found that they have worked and you've got results or what's happened if you've tried them and they haven't worked. Of course, as always, there will be some information in the show notes and um, you can link up with me over on LinkedIn or on the Facebook page. And you can always subscribe to the podcast so that you will know when the next episode drops on Mondays. All right, everybody. Thanks for listening. See you soon. Bye. You've been listening to the Ambition Incubator podcast, your weekly source for brain science tools, tips and techniques. Thanks for taking the time to tune in. It's why I want to make sure that every single episode contains game changers with the potential to elevate your performance and enjoyment to the next level in all areas of life. If you want to catch up between shows, check the show notes for my links. Meanwhile, if you hit subscribe right now, you'll always be first to hear when the next episode is available. Until then, my friend, imagine the possibilities.